0: the middle of the night, Samuel is fast asleep and something startles him. He hears a voice and he wakes up. So Samuel gets up and he he runs down the hallway to where the old man, Eli, is asleep. And he says, Eli, here I am. You called. And Eli says, no, I didn't go back to bed. So he does. He goes back to bed. He hears another voice. He, He returns to Eli. And again, Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And the third time, Samuel hears this voice and goes to Eli, something clicks for Eli. And he thinks to himself, I wonder if this is God talking to Samuel. And so he tells Samuel this, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel does, and it turns out it's the Lord God Almighty trying to talk to this little boy, Samuel. And he's got something to say to Samuel. You know, as it happens, God has always had something to say. God spoke in creation, he spoke in burning bushes, he spoke through prophets, he spoke in gentle whispers, he spoke on, on mountaintops, on rooftops, on Damascus roads, in blinding visions, in loud, audible voices. God's always been speaking. It's just what he does. And what I want you to notice about this story in 1 Samuel is that it's not that Samuel can't hear God. It's that he doesn't know it's God he hears. You know, he doesn't know that it's God who's speaking to him. And the text says the reason is Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord hadn't yet been revealed to him. So, even though Samuel, this boy, is sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant, which we think would be an advantage, he doesn't have any expectation that the Lord God would or even could talk to him. He doesn't expect that at all. Why not? Well, you may remember in those days, 1 Samuel 3, 1, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Does that feel like today to anybody? Would anybody say that about your life? It feels like in my life the word of the Lord is rare and there's, there's not many visions. But what if it's not that God has stopped talking? Okay. What if it's not even that we can't hear God? What if it's that we don't know it's God we hear? And what if God is talking as much as he ever has? We just don't know how to determine that Yeah, that's actually God talking to me. Not somebody else, not something else. That's God. Okay, today's pretty simple. Last week, Chris began this series, Hush, and the idea behind this series is how do we listen to God? It's a a, a series based on the spiritual life. I want to enhance your spiritual life. And what Chris talked about last week was the idea, the assumption that many of us have that God doesn't speak much anymore if at all and Chris really challenged that and reminded us that God has a mouth which he uses if you were not here last week I'd encourage you to to go back and listen to that sermon because I'm not going to rehash all of that he did a really great job with it but in short the takeaway is God still speaks God still speaks one of the primary ways that God speaks is through scripture and Chris is going to talk about that next week so I'm not going to I'm not going to go there today What I wanna do is just a real simple move this morning, and it's gonna feel a little bit more like a Bible class than a sermon. It'll feel a little bit different, that's okay, I think. I hope, we'll see. It's gonna feel a little different, it's gonna be a Bible class, and what I wanna do is just look at Scripture and ask the question, how does God speak to his people in Scripture? Not how does God speak to his people through Scripture, that's Chris next week, but how does God speak to his people in Scripture? What are the patterns? for the ways that God speaks to his people? Are there patterns? Well, I think there are. Dallas Willard wrote this great book called Hearing God, and he helps us think through the the five most common ways. I'm gonna amend and adapt his ways a little bit, but they are really helpful as you kind of get a broad view of scripture and ask this question, well, how does God speak to his people? All right, first. The first example that he gives or the first category for the way that God speaks to us that he gives is called a phenomenon plus a voice, a phenomenon plus a voice. The idea here is is when the world gets tilted on its axis and things that don't normally happen start to happen and then God speaks because he's got your attention. One of the classic examples is the burning bush. You remember this story? So Moses is out, he's tending these sheep and he sees this bush. And this bush is on fire, but this bush is not burning up. And this is what he says. I love it. I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. He says, yeah, that's really strange, Moses. He says, I'm going to go over and I'm going to see this strange sight. And he does. And not only is this bush burning and not burning up, but this bush that is burning and not burning up also speaks. And it sounds like his mom. It says, Moses, take your shoes off. That was really good. I worked really hard on that one. Bushes don't usually do that. Bushes don't usually speak, right? The world goes a little bit sideways, and because of that, Moses is listening to what God has to say to him. Or you may remember when Jesus is baptized. Jesus is baptized, and heaven opens up. You remember that? And a dove descends onto Jesus, and everyone hears from heaven, this is my son. Well, I don't know about you, but heaven hasn't opened up that many times for me lately, doves don't land on my shoulder that often right? so it's this unexpected event where something happens that's not supposed to happen and because of that God gets everybody's attention and he speaks a couple of weeks ago a highlander told this story in his bible class and it was a story that he was told about a thousand times growing up by his parents because this story really defined how they thought about their son he was born he was born a little bit premature a couple weeks but they thought everything was fine, so he went to the, the normal nursery, and not the NICU. And so his dad and his grandmother are standing outside the glass, looking into the nursery at this beautiful baby boy, and suddenly he begins to turn blue. So unknown to everybody else, he still had fluid on his lungs. And so dad and grandma just began to beat on the glass, just beat on the glass, trying to get a nurse to come. And A nurse does, she comes running and she sees the little boy's blue. And so she immediately begins CPR on the baby. And so dad runs around, he gets into the nursery and he comes and all he can do is, is rub the baby's feet. And this little nurse is just exhausted, trying to get this baby boy to revive. And finally he just gasps and gets this big breath of air and he's okay. And the nurse kind of collapses down to the ground and she looks at his dad and she says, this is a miracle. God has something special in store for your son, right? And so his dad is listening. And why is he listening? Because something that wasn't supposed to happen just happened. And he's paying attention, all right? I'll let you interpret that story as you will, as I'm going to do all the other stories this morning. You would listen if something like that happened. You would also listen if, for example, an angel showed up in your room. When you listen? Like I think about Mary, this is our second category, we've got phenomenon, now we've got angelic messengers. I think about Mary, she's a teenager. She's minding her own business and all of a sudden the angel Gabriel's in her room and he says, you're gonna have the son of God. Well, let me tell you another story. This is one of my favorite stories. I tell this story everywhere I go, I've told it to you all, I tell it in prisons, I tell it in hospital rooms because it's one of the best stories in the Bible. There's this guy, Daniel. And he and the rest of Israel are in exile. They're away from their home and they can't go home. And so he starts praying and fasting. And he prays for three weeks and nothing happens, nothing at all, just silence. And then after three weeks, he looks up one day and he sees this figure walking towards him. It looks kind of like a man, but different. The man has a face like lightning and his eyes are like fire and his arms are, are bronze. And he walks up to Daniel and he places his hand on Daniel's shoulder and Daniel falls to his knees. And he says, Daniel, the Lord sent me to tell you one thing, you're going home. You and your people are going to go home. And he's listening because, well, duh, right? There's an angel. All right, so as we think about those two categories, the first of the five, and you think about your own life, I'm gonna wager that the majority of you have some red flags going up right now. You're a little bit suspicious. You're not suspicious that these stories ever happened, that they're even in the Bible, but you're a little suspicious that they would still happen. And this is probably why, if you really dig down deep, you're probably most suspicious that those would happen today because they haven't happened to you, right? They haven't happened to me either, for the record. Haven't happened to me either. Um, is that how we make determinations about the character or nature of God? Right. So what if we had asked Samuel before he heard that voice in the night, if God ever speaks? What would he have said? Nope. Right. But afterwards, he would have confirmed it one of our responsibilities as children of God is to lean into scripture and say, what examples do we have in scripture? And we let those determine how we think about God and what he does, right? Because for example, even though you may not have experienced an angelic visitor, the author of Hebrews says this, you remember this? Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. He believed it was really possible an angel would show up at your door. He believed that was possible and that God would speak to you through that angel. All right, I know some of us are suspicious right now. Let me tell you a story. I'm not gonna interpret it, you interpret it how you will. There's a wonderful family here at Highland who, who've told me this story before over dinner one time. If you wanna tell me a good story, you should treat me to dinner. <laughs> Their daughter was, was having very serious surgery And they're gathered around her in prayer. And after they pray, before she's going into the surgery, she says, why is he here? And she points to nothing. And they say, the drugs are really working. But then she begins to describe this person that's in the room with her and what he's telling her about the surgery and that she'll make it through the surgery. And they go into the waiting room, and they just sit with that, and they sit with that. Sure enough, she makes it through the surgery, in fact, exactly like he described. Exactly like he described. And so they've always held on to that. It's um, bolstered their faith. But I'll let you interpret that as you will. What about your dreams? Does anybody pay attention to your dreams? Anybody pay attention to your dreams? Um, you have to dream to pay attention to them, and I'm not doing a lot of that these days. i again. As much sleep as i would like but think about joseph this may be our third category you got phenomenon angelic messengers let's think about dreams and visions remember joseph he has these dreams about his brothers and how they're going to bow down to him and those dreams get him in a lot of trouble with his brothers but they turn out to be true right Or think about peter it's acts 10 Peter's on the top of a roof, it's midday, and all of a sudden, heaven opens up and these animals just start coming down from heaven. And he hears the voice of God, and God tells him, kill and eat, eat these animals. But he's a good Jew, and he says, I'm not gonna do that, God. I know these aren't animals I'm supposed to eat. And God says, get over it, Peter. Peter doesn't really know how to interpret that vision as it ends, and just then when it ends, some men approach and they invite Peter to visit the home of Gentiles, the kind of people who do eat those animals. And Peter would have never thought to do that had he not just seen that vision and heard the voice of the Lord in that vision. But he thinks maybe this is connected. So he goes to that Gentile home, Cornelius. He baptizes Cornelius and his family. And this is the first time the gospel goes to Gentiles. So you could argue that you and I are here in this room today, because most of you are Gentiles. I don't see that many Jews here. Most of you are Gentiles, right? And you could argue that the reason you and I are here today is because God still speaks, and one guy, Peter, was listening. He was listening when he spoke in a vision. Um, You would say, probably most of you, that if you saw a vision, you would pay attention to what God had to say, if you saw a vision. But what if you didn't see anything? What if you just heard a voice? How would you know it was from God? Well, let me me break this last category down into a couple of of what I think are biblical categories for the voice of God. One is a a heavenly voice. One is a human voice, God speaking through a human. And one is the still, small voice. Okay. You remember Abraham, when he goes to sacrifice his son Isaac? There's no way you've forgotten that story because it's maybe the worst in scripture. It's awful, really hard to sit through. So Abraham binds his son on an altar because God told him to do it. And he raises this knife up above his son and everything's going in slow motion, remember that? And just before he brings that knife down, out of heaven we hear this loud voice, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. And he stops. And we all breathe this sigh of relief, one, because his son is spared, he doesn't kill the child. But more so, I think we breathe this sigh of relief on this deeper level, because in this moment of Abraham's greatest crisis, the greatest crisis in his life, God does not stay quiet. God speaks up audibly in this case. He speaks up. Every family has stories that they tell, uh, stories they tell. Like, you know, special events, Thanksgiving, Christmas, graduations, weddings, funerals. One of those stories in my family involves an audible voice. And again, I'm not gonna interpret this, I'll let you interpret it. There was a point in our lives when I was a young child when my mom heard an an audible voice. She shared it with my dad. And what she heard really changed the direction of our lives. I'm not gonna tell you the details of that voice because in some ways it's like a special gift to my family. That's how we we think of it. I'm not gonna tell you the details, but my mom heard this audible voice and my mom's not crazy. Well, she's just like normal mom crazy, like the standard crazy for most moms. That's, That's my mom. She heard this voice and it changed the direction of our lives. And the voice she heard, you know, was consistent with what we read in scripture. It affirmed what we find in scripture. And then God opened other doors that confirmed this voice, what she heard, and and my family walked through those doors. And in in some ways, like, I'm here today in Memphis, Tennessee as a preacher because my family walked through those doors. I'll let you interpret that as you will. Most of us would probably say we have not heard an audible voice either. But it's possible you have had experiences where you felt like God was speaking to you through somebody. And to set that up, let's go back to the burning bush with Moses. You may remember when that bush is burning, but not burning up, and Moses approaches it, takes his shoes off, that God gives Moses the special job to go back to Egypt and to free his people. And Moses' reply is, well, God, I don't speak too good. You should choose somebody else. Do you remember what God says to him? This is what he says, who gave human beings their mouths Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and will teach you what to say. Basically, he's saying, look around you, Moses. Look at all these mouths around you. You know who made them? Me. And I can make them say what I wanna say. I can use those mouths like I'm gonna use yours. I think most of you can probably speak to the time in your life where somebody said something to you, a brother or sister in Christ, said something to you and at the time they said it you didn't really think much about it but as you reflected on it as what they said proved true you decided you know what I think that was a word from the Lord for me I mean has anybody had that experience before you can nod you can nod most of you probably have most of you probably have well I think that's biblical I think God speaks through his people But again, I think that is even more rare than what we might call the still small voice. I think this is the most common way that God speaks to his people. And let me try to introduce you to this, and Chris is gonna spend more time on it in a couple weeks. That language comes from this wonderful story of Elijah. He's on the run, he's holed up in this cave in the side of a mountain, and then this happens. A great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a gentle whisper. If you read the King James Version, or if you grew up on that, you may remember that it was translated, that gentle whisper was translated a still small voice, a still small voice shows up and he listens to it. Dallas Willard, who wrote that book, Hearing God, and reflects on these categories, says, I think this is the most common way that God speaks to his people. And I would agree. And as evidence, let me point you to that passage you're opened up to, 1 Corinthians 2. right, you're there right now. You're going to see just a a blip of this passage, but I really want you to look down at it, have it in your hand, so that you can read the rest of it this week. I am going to read the whole 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16. Paul's making this point in this passage about the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And have you thought much about that difference? Like, is is there actually a difference between us and somebody who has not been baptized other than that we once got wet in lukewarm water? Is there a difference about us? When we invite people into a relationship with Christ, are we actually inviting them into anything at all? Are we, or, or are we inviting them to, for the rest of their lives, spend time on their knees talking to nothingness? Okay, so Paul's going to address that right here in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 16. That's why I want you to have it in your hands. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. He's going to make sense of that over the next lines. So it's not going to be on the screen. You're going to look down you're going to listen. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, he's talking about Christians, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person with the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit, with a capital S. The person with the Spirit, capital S, makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ." What's he saying? He's saying that humans cannot possibly hear a word from God. They cannot possibly understand the will of God. Why? Because they have human spirits. They can understand what's going on in their own mind. They can understand other people, but they cannot possibly hope to understand or hear from God because they have human spirits. But Christians don't have human spirits, we have the Spirit of God. You know, God gives us His Spirit in the waters behind me. He gives us His Spirit so that His Spirit blends with our human spirit. And so, whereas we were hopeless before with ever hearing from God, we now have the great possibility to actually hear that still small voice within us. You know, we can actually think the thoughts of God. Does that mean we will always think the thoughts of God? No. No. Right? No. Right? But it is possible because we have been given the Holy Spirit that we can hear from God within in ways that the person on the street cannot. Does that mean you have disdain for them or like you have pride that you hear something that they don't know? That means there's a reason to invite them in. Okay, because this is actually a relationship. It is not a one-way conversation. It is possible by the power of God through the spirit of God that God would have a word for you and that you would hear it within, that your thoughts would blend with his thoughts. I'll end with an example about this. I've interpreted it as an example of this. You may interpret it some other way. It was a Saturday a couple weeks ago and I had this abiding feeling, this, this just nudge that I should call a particular brother in Christ here at Highland. And I thought, I should really call him. But I was wrestling kids or changing diapers or doing something like that and I didn't do it. So Sunday comes along, I'm at church with you all. Monday morning comes, I'm, I'm in the office, I'm sitting there in the quiet of the office and I feel that nudge again to call this friend. And I think, you know, I didn't do it Saturday. I really should call him. I should call him up. And so I call him. And this is what he says when he answers the phone. He says, Eric, what are you doing right now? I said, well, I'm in the office. He says, we have to meet right now. So, okay. So we go up here, we get coffee, and he begins to weep in the coffee shop. So we get in the car, because it's really awkward to weep in a coffee shop. And he begins to tell me how a pattern of addiction last week had crept back into his life, and it had snowballed out of control until Saturday when he made this terrible decision. And that decision was now eating him up, tearing at his soul, and he couldn't get over it. And as I'm listening to him and trying to to minister to him, I'm, I'm having this sincere and deep grief. I'm grieving because I didn't call him on Saturday. And I'm not so proud as to think, that I would have stopped him from doing what he did on Saturday. I don't know that that would have happened, but maybe. Maybe at least he would have known he wasn't alone that Saturday when he did what he did. But I was also grieved as I left that coffee shop because I realized God had been trying to get my attention. God had been trying to say something to me, and I had missed it. I had missed it. At the moment I was grieved, I was encouraged because it, it gives validation to what I'm, I'm doing with my life. You know, I'm up here preaching about a God that you might have a relationship with and it's confirming to every once in a while find out he's actually on the other end, right? He's actually there. And so I left both feeling confirmed in that, validated in that, but also grieved because the God I preach about on Sunday morning, I had missed on Saturday evening, right? I'd missed him on Saturday evening. And I left there thinking, I never wanna miss him again. Am I going to? You bet. You bet. I'm going to. But I hope, right, as I'm on my own spiritual journey, as all of you are, as I'm paying attention to Scripture, most of all, as I'm checking everything I hear from the Lord against Scripture because I do think that's the fullest revelation of God we have aside from His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? I want to check everything I hear from God against those things. But even in the moment I'm doing that, I am hopeful that God might have a word for me. And that I might hear him, even if it's that still small voice, that nudge in the back of my mind. I do get woken up at night. I hear something and I I say, Lindsay, was that you? She says, no, go back to bed. I hear something again. I say, Lindsay, was that you? She says, no, go back to bed. And then I hear it again. And it's not actually my name. It's daddy. And I can't figure out why God's calling me daddy. (laughs) That's weird i get up and i i get my boys more milk or i tuck them in whatever they need calm them down and i go back to bed and i have not yet seen an angelic messenger i haven't heard that audible voice but i want god to know like samuel that should he choose to speak his servant is listening is listening and i hope you'll do the same speak lord for your servant is listening Will you stand as we sing this morning? If you haven't given your life to Jesus and would like to this morning, I'll receive you down front. Or if you'd like prayer, I'll be in the back with some shepherds here in a moment to pray over you. Let's stand and sing. Start a fire in me, let the flame.